my kids told me if I don't put pictures up, it's just not as good. So I had to put a picture up. Uh, this is very simple, okay? In this world, there are winners and there are losers. I will let you interpret this slide however you want, unless you're a Texas fan, and then I'll just tell you you're a loser, okay? <clears throat> but Jesus still loves you. You can be a loser and Jesus loves you. Uh, I have no love for the University of Texas. None. Uh, beef, it's what's for dinner, and that's it. The, the other two, you know, I went to one of the two universities, and uh, I, I will still kind of root for the other until they abandon the Big 12, and then I may have an issue. Because, <clears throat> oh, the SEC, I, I almost throw up a little bit just saying it. Ah. <clears throat> In honor of March Madness, you know, you have to have the face you make when you pick Gonzaga to win the NCAA. And, and Evelyn is not even realizing she's on screen yet, and now she does, and now she hides. <clears throat> but <clears throat> this was actually the face you make when mom doesn't let you pick the bedtime story. <laughs> but <clears throat> there were people in our house who picked Gonzaga to go a long way, not this guy. Okay? And that brings us back to... And it will tie in, believe it or not. It will tie into our series on identity. And, and this whole series, and, and I don't know if this is the last one in this series or if there's one more we're going to do next week. It just kind of waiting on God to tell me there. But uh, it has been about us seeing ourselves like Christ sees us. And how Christ has called us to live. And, and you don't fully live out the gospel of Jesus Christ until you have your identity in Christ. And, and the, the, the weird thing that brought me to this was the Sun Tzu quote of, Know the enemy and know yourself. And in a hundred battles you will never be in peril. When you are ignorant of the enemy but know yourself, the chances of winning and losing are equal. If ignorant of both the enemy and yourself, you are certain in every battle to be in peril. Now, just looking at the first part of that, uh, St. Peter's basketball team comes to mind. They know who they are. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is saying about them. It doesn't matter the size of arena they're used to playing in. They know who they are, and that's why I'm really excited to root for them not because I'm a Duke fan and I hate North Carolina but because I'm I'm rooting for these underdogs because they don't see themselves as an underdog they know who they are they know that their basketball is driven through their guard play and getting down to the rim and that may not mean anything to non-basketball people but they know enough to know that they're not just going to beat it down into the post and beat you they know who they are, and they play the game. And I love it. I love watching March Madness. It's one of my favorite times of year. Matter of fact, when March Madness is over, we shut our cable off until football season. <laughs> True story. We, we do. It's not that I don't like baseball, but there's so many of those games. I'm not going to watch them all. And I don't watch enough TV anyways once the sun comes out and I can go do other things. And the sun is out. The only thing keeping me indoors is basketball. Uh, 
But the enemy will try and get you to define yourself in ways you were never intended to by God. And, and the, the identity that we're going to break down and, and look at today is Jesus identifies you as a winner. This is going to feel like halftime, pep talk, part TED talk, but I guarantee you it is all solidly built in the Word of God. God wants you to understand you were built to be a winner. And one of the hardest things to do inside the culture of sport is take a team who is traditionally used to losing and make them understand what it is to be a winner. And... and and that's really hard if you grew up in a culture where you were constantly winning. And I want you to understand that that, that culture started somewhere. And the same thing happens in Christianity. We see ourselves far too often as losers. Well, and and we, we hide behind the excuse of, I can't. And that, that is a phrase that I am ruthlessly rooting out in my household. My children, there is, a, there is a punishment that comes in our house for saying, I can't. Because you don't get to say, I can't. It's a one-way trip to Burpeeville, isn't it, Xavier? Xavier knows. He said it a few times. We don't say, I can't. Because that's not biblical. And, and there are obvious things, you know, I am never going to fly unless God asks me to. Unless I'm in a plane, and I, I like doing that. I like sitting in a plane and going from one place to the other. Because if we take long trips and driving, guess who does the driving? This guy, because I choose life. No, my wife is not a bad driver. She just doesn't like to do it. And I don't blame her. If I could get away with it, be one of those bums that sits there and lets my wife drive me around, yeah, don't marry a loser, okay? If you let your wife drive you around all the time, shame on you. Be a man. Get behind the wheel. <clears throat> there, oh, there's people getting elbowed. We're gonna we're gonna move on. There's people getting elbowed. Okay, don't elbow people. I was, yeah, you're the man of God. Part of driving the vehicle is protecting your family. But we'll keep going. All right, in First John chapter five, verses four through five, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. God, we're, we're going to do some things this morning that may make you uncomfortable, but you're, you're going to help me emphasize some words this morning, okay? For everyone, say everyone, everyone. who has been born of God overcomes the world. You don't have to repeat everything, just everyone, okay? Everyone. I want you to get that in your head because everyone, does that include you? Yes, it does. If you've been born of God, everyone includes you. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Okay? What is faith? According to Hebrews, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Your victory doesn't come at the end of the war. You have to be, and this is actually a Sun Tzu principle, crazy as it is, the, the person who goes into battle Seeing victory will win. The person who goes in looking for opportunities to win will find themselves in calamity in the battle. 
and that's a loose, okay, you have to go back and read it for yourself exactly how he phrased it. But I'll just tell you, if you don't go in already seeing victory, you are on the path to defeat. And as Christians, we're given that gift because God said it right here in his word that this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The Bible also says to every man is given a measure of faith. You have a starting point with your faith. You're not faithless, praise the Lord. You have at least some small measure of a chance of victory. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Okay, if, if you want to know exactly where your faith starts, it starts right there that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that, my friend, you are a winner. The problem we run into is too many people in the, the church and in our world today have a short-term view of life because they want to be stuck in the moment they're in. I'm not telling you not to live in that moment and experience that moment, but if you don't have a long-term view of life, if you don't have a long-term view that goes farther than your present circumstances, you are going to struggle with being a winner. Okay, I can tell you that one of the universities that is still playing basketball that's in the Final Four, every spring right after the previous Final Four, they get together and they talk about what it's going to take to win the championship next year because they have a long-term view. No matter how much they struggle in November, December, early January, they're always still focused on the end goal, which is a national championship. Okay, I've, I've spent a long time as a Duke fan. I know their philosophies inside and out. If, if I could find a way to make it a great sermon, I would talk about the fist. But long-term views have a war mentality instead of the short-term view of the battle mentality. A lot of people just get stuck seeing the battle they're in in that moment instead of seeing that that battle is just one stepping stone in the war. Battle mentality, short-term view people pitch a tent where war mentality people look to build a house. Anybody built a house in two or three days? I still think that show was fake. You will never convince me that that uh, whatever that Ty Pennington home improvement show was, I can't even remember now because we used to watch it because Denise thought Ty was cute, you know. <clears throat> but yeah, it was family goes away on a week vacation and they demolish and rebuild the whole house in a week. I want to go see how many of those houses are still standing because you don't build a real good house in a week and you don't build a good house. In a, in a very short time. Your faith, if you want to be a strong Christian who's able to communicate the gospel and what God's doing in your life, it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to go through battle after battle where you fall on your face and fail. And if you're battle-minded, you're going to feel like a failure and a loser because you don't see the big picture is God was letting you find ways that were ineffective for you to communicate the gospel so that you could become an effective builder of the kingdom.
We're not here to pitch tents. We're here to build a kingdom. And I could really preach just dragging us into Nehemiah, but I won't. War, long-term view, mentality people understand that defeat is a temporary status. If you fail, if you utterly fall on your face in failure, it's not final. But if you're one of those people that all you can see is the battle you're in right now and you struggle and you fail, it's one of the most crushing, defeating feelings you will ever have. And it opens a doorway to drag you into depths of depression and anxiety that you were never called to experience. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always, say always, always, always leads us in triumphal procession. There's another translation that says, always causes us to triumph. That's a word that's not popular enough, but when you, when you go win a game, you are triumphant. It sounds better than win. Win is such a weak word, you know? Oh, how'd you do today? We won. How'd you do today? We triumphed valiantly over our foe. You know, speak the old language. It sounds really cool. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Okay, going back to that. He leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. This is one I heard a, a weird youth pastor one time, you know, he was talking about, you need to be like a stinking Christian where, where you're so in love with Christ that it almost stinks. I'm like, that's a terrible way to phrase that, dude. Especially around teenagers and preteens who struggle with deodorant, you don't phrase it that way. Okay, you come to my middle school classes and you will not be saying you need to be a stinking Christian. You'll say you need to put on deodorant and let the love of God be that fragrance that comes off you. Because, oh, man, it's springtime. Elementary teachers know. You got some fourth, third, fourth, and fifth graders, you know. The funk is real. But our very life should almost be a fragrance that is spread around because... Winners have that, dare I say, aura about them. When, when winners walk in the gym, you know it. You know, I, I remember the look on people's face when our bus pulled up sometimes. It was like, oh, not them again. No, uh, he's not here, but, you know, you, you saw people looking to see if Jeff was getting off the bus. They're like, come on, let the newbie kid be gone today. Let the brown kid be gone today. You know, we, we had people that could light it up and they knew who they were. There were some people that you know, said, let that Manning kid be gone because I was like Dennis Rodman. I was a punk. And I knew my role. I played it very well. I grabbed a lot of rebounds. I played defense. And I made sure your big man didn't get his points. And a lot of times it, <clears throat> it showed up the next day in bumps and bruises. Those were my tattoos. I didn't tattoo up like Robin. But in Romans, Paul writes to us and he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Everybody say all. All. I want you to get this mindset. It's not just for the pastor. It's not for the worship leader or the Sunday school teacher. It's for us all. We're all called to be winners who go share the word of God. God gave his son up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Okay, I want to give you this picture really quickly. That Jesus who died on the cross, who rose from the grave, is now sitting right next to God the Father on the throne. There's not two thrones in heaven. There is one throne. He is sitting on the throne with His Father, and He is talking to His dad on our behalf. It's not, it's not did you see what Dale did, Dad? That is never the conversation. The conversation is, God, you know, He's saying, Dad, Abba. He probably calls Him Abba. He says, Abba, Dale's struggling. We got to help Dale. Or Denise is struggling. We got to help Denise. It, you, you see where, where Xavier messed up? It, we we got to be patient with him. He's still a good kid. Where, where you put your name here, blew it. Jesus is not sitting there saying, look at how he blew it. He's saying, look at the potential in him. Look at what we made him to be. When he finally gets it, he's going to be unstoppable. Condemnation, where the enemy tries to get your thoughts and your focus on your failure, it's a trap used to rob you of your identity. It's trying to tie you to a, a momentary action or thought process that keeps you from becoming who God made you to be. It keeps you in a cycle of defeat rather than letting you walk the path of victory. If He can make you think you're just a dirty sinner, if He can make you think you're an addict, if He can make you think you're a failure, a loser, He's winning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all, say all, all, all these things we are more, more than conquerors. I don't know what's more than a conqueror. I can't get my brain around that. You know, when, when we won that championship in 97, we were all looking at each other in the locker room like, what do we do now? There's nobody left to play. What do we do now? And, and I think in our, our walk with Christ, I think there's times that He continually places battle before us so that we don't have that feeling of what do we do now? What do we do now? We keep, you know, 
I've, I've heard of people talk about your walk with God being rock climbing. We keep climbing to the summit. You keep going. You get victory over that. Well, keep going. You're still here. You have a purpose. You have a calling. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angel, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing you come up against that God's love can't get through to you. Trials come our way so that you have the opportunity to overcome. To show the fullness of God working in you. People are like, why do bad things happen to good people? There it is. Bad things happen to good people so that you have the chance to overcome and you get to wave Jehovah Nasi, the banner of victory in your life, in the face of this world. In the face of this world that wants you to fail that wants you to struggle, wants you to believe you're a loser. You get to wave God, the banner of victory in your life, and say in all these things, I'm more than an overcomer. There's no participation trophies in the kingdom of heaven. You don't get to be saved and just have an easy coasting life. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works because you were made to win. And if you're not having to struggle, having to strive, having to work, are you really winning? I don't get any pleasure out of beating Titus in a game of checkers. I don't. It's not a struggle. It's not a win. When Xavier slows down and focuses and I beat him in chess, it's kind of fun. When he plays fast and out of control, it's no fun for me. I just beat him as quick as I can and go on. If I beat Xavier in one-on-one -on -one in basketball, it's not a big deal. If I were to beat Shaq in a game of one-on-one, -on -one, the whole world would know. You were made to win because the ultimate winner of all eternity lives in you. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, it kind of got cut off on the top there, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always, there it is again, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And the last thing I'll wrap up with this is I want you to understand that the reason we go through trials so that we can, in fact, carry the testimony of being a winner is because Jesus said we would. In John 16, he said, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Some translations say in the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The greatest single goal we have as Christians is to live our life as a reflection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is a winner. You are a winner when you have Jesus in you. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. 
It, it doesn't matter what the bank account says. It doesn't matter what your previous relationship says. It doesn't matter what the lies of your addiction say. It doesn't matter what's been spoken over you your whole life. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. And if you know Jesus and He lives in you, you were made to win. Heavenly Father, as we, as we bring this service to a close, Lord, we just ask that You would speak to us once again.